Hello and welcome to another NL Full Time. I'm Rob Worrell and uh, joining me today to discuss an absolute shocker of a Saturday in both the National League and the FA Trophy um, is off the line blogs Joe Pope. Good morning, Joe. Yeah, nice to see you again, Rob, after seeing you on Thursday for the FCAs and nice to see our guests again. Absolutely. And it's, it, I would say it's nice to see you, Joe, but I think you've been out partying, aren't you, after a, a rare yeah, talking well, win? You, you, can't, uh, you can't not pass up the opportunity to uh, party when Torquay actually win a game of football. So, Also joining us in particular to mull over a quite redonkulous 16 FA Trophy Cup sets is the man known as Bucks writer Dickie and Rich Wharton. Good morning, Dickie. Good morning. How are you? To uh, our meetup in midweek. And our special guest this week to tell us all about the massive turnaround in fortunes at Hewish Park is Yeovil Town's BBC Somerset commentator, Sheridan Robbins. Good morning, Sheridan. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah, the timing's slightly ironic, but we'll come to that <laughs> in a little while. Uh, probably in the section where we debate whether the FA Trophy is as important as the league. <laughs> um, but before we look at the weekend's results on Thursday evening, Dickie, Joe and our producer Luke Edwards and I all met in person for just the second time ever at the Football Content Awards at Anfield. Now, NL Full-Time was nominated in the non-league podcast section, excuse me, the best non-league podcast section, and Joe's off-the-line blog in the best editorial. Um, we didn't actually win either of them, so congratulations to the lads from Bees Pod and to Chris Phillips. But the one big winner of the evening was the rather brilliant host, Emma Jones, who managed to get selfies with both myself and you, Joe. How impressive was that? Yeah, it was great, and I was just um, a little bit disappointed that uh, none of the award winners that went up said, can we have a big round of applause for Emma Jones? Um, would have been uh, nice, but uh, yeah, really good evening. And uh, yeah, just a shame we, we couldn't come away with the awards, but nice to be nominated nonetheless. Yeah, and a wonderful location. I know with uh, Premier League clubs, there's always a lot of haters for anyone who doesn't support that team, but what a fantastic venue it was at Anfield and congratulations to all the winners. And uh, unlike Joe, I felt like a winner just by being there, to be honest with you. So <laughs> we'll take that. Two nominations in three years. Anyway, let's get on to the National League uh, and the big game, the, the the TNT sports game as well, was Southend against Chesterfield. And when Will Grigg put the Spyrites ahead uh, in that one, it looked as if normal service was going to be resumed. But Joe, fill us in. What then happened uh, as Southend turned it around? Yeah, well, one thing that we've kind of come to expect from Southend is when the, you know, the players are down and they've got the bare bones to pick from, and uh, it seems as if it's all stacked against them. They always reply, and uh, they did that. Uh, two goals in three minutes in the second half, uh, a penalty from Jack Bridge, and a very dubious own goal from uh, Darren Oldacre where Harry Tyra, who's been brilliant this season in goal for Chesterfield, let it slip through his hands. Um, and a win for, for Southend, who just, of all the teams, if it was going to be any team that stops Chesterfield's run, it's just nice that it's Southend, to be honest. Um, you know, they. I said actually on my uh, blog that there's not many harder games in the National League than playing against a Southend team at Roots Hall, um, because... They are so good at home. Um, so, yeah, a really good win for, for Southend. And I know we need to stop doing this at some point, but when I look at the National League table, I always look at Southend. There they sit, 14, 24 points and add 10. And they would be fifth in the National League. Sheridan, you know what it's like to be at a club under difficult times. Uh, and I know you've largely been watching the National League at South this season, but looking on from afar... Just how impressed are you at how Southend have kept it together in the most extreme circumstances? Well, I mean, 
Kevin Mayer deserves all the credit that comes his way. I know he's been linked, hasn't he, with a few jobs away, and I'm not surprised. What he has done with that side is nothing short of remarkable. And you're right, it was similar to the situation that Yeovil were in last season, and they didn't battle on the pitch. They didn't go against the odds. They were losing games. They were you know, letting the off-pitch situation affect them. The way he gets his team motivated is so impressive to me. Um, I've, I have actually watched Southend this season. They visited Hewish Park in the FA Cup um, and they had three 16-year-olds on the on the bench. They didn't have any other senior players available um, to them. Um, and obviously Yeovil won that game. But in terms of the way they play for their manager in a cup competition and, you know, when... Yeovil were in a similar situation where there was no extra players. A lot of them were carrying knocks, carrying injuries. It's really difficult for those players. That's their livelihood. You know, they're putting themselves at risk for, for a club that they're not getting support from. Um, and I'm so, so impressed. I'm so pleased to see them doing so well as well. And you're absolutely right that if they didn't have that points deduction, you'd be talking about them for perhaps even, you know, pushing in on the on the automatic. Um so a, a remarkable result yesterday um, from a Chesterfield side that have been relentless all, all season. And um, I'd love to see Kevin Mayer just stay there and achieve something with Southend because I think he really deserves it. And he uh, not only does he deserve that, he, he was awarded something else, wasn't he, yesterday, Joe? Yeah, he was nominated for Freedom of Southend, um, which uh, in typical Kev Mayhair fashion, when he was asked about it in his interview after the game, he said, well, I hope I get it because I've got some parking fines uh, in Southend <laughs> that I need uh, paid. So, uh, yeah, uh, a really good uh, or nice award for him if he can get that uh, for his efforts. All right. Well, uh, Barnet in second place. The Bees pod may have taken the uh, best podcast in National League, but... Could Dean Brennan's men take advantage of uh, Chesterfield's slip-up? And, uh, well, they ran into the uh, Gates Heed juggernaut, didn't they, Joe? They did, and it was, um, you know, I think people have been a little bit unsure as to what to make of Gateshead um, under Rob Elliott, but I think a 6-0 win against Dorking and now a 2-0 win on the road against Barnet, their sort of campaign is well and truly up and running uh, under Elliott. Um, a goalless first half, but two goals in the second from former Torquay lad Stephen Wynn. Uh, two goals for him. One was a header, which was uh, quite funny because it was the running joke at Torquay that he never used to header the ball. So, um, yeah, nice to see uh, Gateshead win. Um, a clean sheet as well. That's a big one. We know them for being brilliant going forward, but a clean sheet against Barnett is a no mean feat. And, uh, yeah, no, another good win for, for Gateshead. Yeah, one side who did did take full advantage of uh, the top two losing were Bromley, who saw off uh, an improving AFC filed side one 0 thanks to Josh pa uh, Pasley's winner on the hour, um, and that leaves Bromley three points now behind Barnet and uh, eight behind Chesterfield. So uh, a good week for. Uh, Andy Woodman's men. I shall be taking a look at them up close and personal on Tuesday night where Aldershot will be the next team to try and stop their ridiculous run uh, following a, a quiet first month to the season. Um, and do you know what? There were three other teams in the top seven yesterday that also lost. So that's five of the top seven. Solihull Moors lost at home to Maidenhead United, so they got devved, and there is Dev's back-to-back -back wins that he always pulls off every time they slip into the bottom four. They've now pulled three places and three points away from them. Uh, congratulations to Dev, who simply always finds a way. Toby shows Silver back on the score sheet there, and uh, the exciting young talent that is Reese Smith. Altrincham also came unstuck away at uh, Eastleigh as Paul McCallum closed to within one goal of uh, the National League's top scorer at Dinanga. And uh, Aldershot also lost to Rochdale by two goals to one, despite taking the lead in that one. Now, before the game, I caught up with someone that's seen pretty much everything that's happened at Spotland over the last two decades. So I'm here at Spotland, otherwise known as the Crown Oil Arena. Is that right? That's right. 
um, with Martin Colshaw, who will be doing the National League TV platform commentary today and who has uh, watched matters at this football ground for more than 20 years. Martin, nice to meet you today. Um, little chat about how you're finding life in non-league after so long in the Football League. It's different. It is different. Um, it, it's you know, Some grounds that we go to is a little bit of a shock to the system. But strangely enjoying it you know some of the people that you're meeting we're going to different places you know the, the, the season's gone by where i've not gone to a new ground in the full season because i've been to them all before so going to these new places but obviously we want to be back in the football league whether that'll happen anytime soon i'm not sure if i'm honest from the outside looking in rochdale have actually equipped themselves quite well in their first season you sit ninth coming into today's game and Many clubs as big or bigger than Rochdale have come down to this league and struggled a lot more. What are your early impressions, sort of 19, 20 game, games in, of the manager McNulty? Well, Jim's been here a long time. He was a player. He's been a coach here for a long time. He's had a couple of interim roles. He's, he's an absolute sound bloke, you know, when you talk to him. He's, he's got an identity of how he wants to play football and he's, he's sticking to that. Um, he admits that you know sometimes it doesn't quite always work out, but um, he, he likes to play a, a, a good brand of football. And when we get it forward, we look good. Uh, he, I think he, he even last week he, he admitted that defensively we need to sort of try and uh, stop some of the crosses coming in to stop some of the goals. We're expecting goals, aren't we? Both sides have had 25 goals in each of their last five matches, either for or against, and both sides are better at attacking than defending, yeah? It seems that way, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we just seem to be, be, be trying to score more than the opposition, which I know is the aim of the game, but it's we're, we're seeing a lot of games where it's two, three goals scored from either side. Um, last week, we conceded him a 96 minute. If, if the game had, have had another five minutes left, then we might have ended up going getting a, an, an equaliser. You never know, but uh, we, we do need to try and uh, stop them goals going in at the back. Lots of goals and entertainment does put bums on seats though. How are Rochdale's crowds doing this year? Obviously a lower level, but uh, higher up the table. To be fair, they, they, haven't, they haven't dipped that much. Um, obviously the away attendances have dropped with the exception of when Oldham come, Chesterfield come, etc, etc. You know, we've lost uh, some sides such as Bradford City who used to fill that away stand. I see that um, the Aldershot fans will be in the, the Wilberts Lane stand today. There are some clubs that come here and we put them in the corner of uh, the family stand on the opposite end to where the family stand is. And, and that's just a, a financial thing to put them up there so we don't have to open that, that three and a half thousand seater stand. But uh, they must be expecting a couple of hundred from Aldershot yeah. at least. Um, so hopefully today the, the attendance will be uh, sort of around about the 3,000 mark. I just want to add at this point, probably the friendliest welcome we've had from any football club this year. So thanks to you and your colleagues, Martin, for that. All the best uh, for the rest of the season. Thank you. And, uh, and to you too. And that was Martin Coulshaw. Um, Joe, you tried to talk to me about the game on my way home last night, but I didn't want to know, did I? Um, in truth, Aldershot were the better side in the first half. Might well have been two up. Got one up. Very sloppy goal where they switched off uh, and Rochdale got themselves level just before half time, and and that changed the mood in the ground. Um, the home faithful were just starting to get on the backs of um, of, of of Rochdale, um, and then uh, Keohane, who might have been playing at the back, but he's got a huge appetite for goal. Um, he followed up after a bit of a scramble. There were there were cries of handball. There was cries of the ball going out of play, but uh, he kept on his game and tucked it away. And then I want to give some plaudits to Cairo Mitchell as well. Undoubtedly Rochdale, the better side in the second half. And, and Mitchell, who'd had no service at all for an hour, then had a couple of half chances in which he should have done better. But he came again, found himself at the far post, got on the end of uh, a cross and, and, and headed home. A, a relatively simple goal for Rochdale's winner. Um Joe, I want to ask you what you make of Rochdale. They sit in ninth place, just three points behind Aldershot in eighth now. And in the nicest possible way, because I don't want to discredit them at all, they looked quite lost in the first half yesterday for a side at home in front of a, a decent you know, amount of fans. And credit to them for finding a way. But 
from the outside looking in, they're doing all right. First season after dropping down from the Football League and they're within touch of the playoffs. But then equally, I definitely think they're a side that's still trying to find their way. What do you make of them? Yeah, again, I'm, I'm still a little bit confused as to get, um, what I expect from Rochdale. Um, I think that's a big win for them, real big statement win, because as you said, um, quite a lot of the Rochdale fans are on the back of Jim McNulty, um, expecting more. So for them to to turn that game around yesterday and win at home was a big one. Um, the fact that they managed to sort of tighten it up at the back, I think, is an important thing because there's only four teams in the league that have conceded more goals outside the bottom four. So, um, yeah, a, a really big win for them. I, I expect them to be a good team going forward. Um, so that much I expect. Um, but, yeah, the fact that they've won a big game against, you know, if they're going to get into the playoffs against a playoff rival in uh, in Aldershot is... Um, yeah, a really, really big win for them. Um, and I actually think Jim McNulty's done a, a really good job so far. We often see going down from League Two to the National League is a tough one and quite a few teams struggle. But uh, I think they can be pleased with their efforts so far. Yeah, I missed out on the opportunity to, uh, to, to meet and chat with Jim McNulty for the first time. Uh, but Rochdale fans will try and do that when, uh, when Dale come to the uh, EBB later in the season. It's not too much later, actually, I don't think, having looked at the uh, fixtures. Perhaps the result of the day was Oxford City's very impressive 4-0 win at uh, a rather hapless Ebbsfleet at the minute who find themselves still rooted in the bottom four. Sheridan, I want to come to you on this one. I know you've kind of missed Oxford City going the other way, haven't you? They've come up as, as Yeovil went down, but uh, looking on from afar... Um, they're really starting to find their feet. And they are now the one side of the four that came up that are actually outside the relegation positions. And a little bit like Gates said, when they get it right, they really get it right, don't they? I think that's what's been interesting about watching the National League from a, from afar is that often the teams that get promoted do have that little bit of momentum, but it didn't really feel like that this season. And they were all really, really struggling. Um, and as you know a little bit about o Oxford City, we sent Will Dawes on, on loan there. He was a part of that promotion push and they did in the playoffs. And and, and so I I know that the, I've been to the club as well. I know it's quite a small club, but I mean, what an achievement for them to get to, to the National League. And the fact that they're finding their feet finally it, is really, really impressive. And it's such a tight division this season, I feel. It feels quite open. Um, so I feel like that is a, a huge result. And you do get those in the National Leagues, don't you? Where you suddenly a 4-0 win can just set your season alight. And I'm sure that they'll be hoping that they can they can do that too. But it is interesting to see the promoted teams really, really struggling. Um, and, you know, even, even Gateshead last season, you know, we, we thought they might be struggling in terms of, of fighting against relegation. And look where they've come over the last you know, six, seven months, they've, they've made strides. So they'll, they'll look at that and think maybe that's what we can, we can try and achieve. Um, it's a huge result um, for them and, and very, very impressive, especially against a team that's just below you in the division. Yeah, absolutely. Big win for Oxford City, Joe. Four different scorers and two of them fresh faces. Yeah, well, they announced two signings on the morning of the game. Uh, Cole Capecqua from Bromley and uh, Alex McQueen, who's spent time in Indie FC in America. Um, and they bookended the scoring. Uh, Cole Capecqua, the opener, after four minutes. And, uh, yeah, I have to agree with what Sheridan said, actually. I, I asked this question on my blog yesterday, whether... I don't know why, but I get shades of Gateshead of last season with Oxford City. You know, they, they stick to their principles. They're very good with the ball. They play attacking football. Um, you know, people expect them to be down there and struggling. But I, I don't know. I, I just think Oxford City could be one to keep an eye on. Absolutely. Uh, replacing Oxford City in the bottom four, incredibly, um, are York City, who lost 3-1 at home to a Hartlepool side, led by their old manager, uh, Mr Askey. Um, a late Tyler Cordner goal was nothing really but consolation. Uh, and for Hartlepool, Joe, um, as well as Askey himself, that would have been a very sweet three points that just keeps them uh, hanging on the shirt tails of those chasing the playoff places. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, you know, we, we all expected Hartlepool to be in and around it come the end of the season, and I still expect that. Um, and one thing was certain yesterday was that John Askey was not making it out of York without a win. Um, 
if there was anything that was going to happen in this unpredictable league yesterday was that John Askey was going to do one over his former side. Um, and yeah, a really good start. Um, Neil Ardley actually talked about in his interview afterwards that he said he wanted his team to make a fast start. Well, 2-0 down inside 15 minutes certainly doesn't help. Uh, goals from Hasty and Crawford. Um, and then a goal for Nicky Featherston, who I believe was his 550th game yesterday. Uh, so scoring in front of the away end was a nice little carrot for him for that. So, uh, yeah, a big win for Hartlepool. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, good to see them scoring goals when Manny Dizarouway uh, didn't score. He uh, is on uh, 12 goals along with uh, Denanga Kabamba uh, in the uh, National League. Of course, National League goals only. Paul McCallum has now gone ahead, just to correct myself from earlier. But on my little chart, I count the FA Cup because I think it's quite an important competition. <laughs> um, Boreham Wood are only just two points away from the relegation zone after a 2-1 defeat at Dorking. And a very honest Mark White said that probably a draw would have been a fair result in that one. And, and Wanderers, who have been considered themselves unlucky on so many occasions, particularly through uh, injuries, etc., um, felt that they were quite lucky to get the three points on, on Saturday. And uh, the other notable things about that game, a rare mistake from Nathan Ashmore, uh, giving the ball straight to Alfie Rutherford. He said, thank you very much. I'll have my first Dorking Wanderers goal in a year on my first uh, start back. Um, and then uh, Hayden Hollis, uh, a very interesting story in the week. Really impressive and popular at Chesterfield, but then he got a long-term injury and eventually Chesterfield let him go. Played 30-plus games for Ebbsfleet in the National League South last year. And Mark White signed him this week. And, um, yeah, he, he's there for his defensive uh, ability. But uh, he got the winner in the 81st minute. Um, is he a player you've seen before, Sheridan, uh, Hayden Hollis? Um, and, uh, yeah, what a great start to score the winner on your debut. Yeah, it's not bad, is it? That's the way to get the fans on side. Um, no, I have to say, I, I'm not familiar with him. Um, I find... Find Dorking fascinating. Their results are so up and down, aren't they? They're just, they're, I mean, obviously, always watching a Mark White interview is, is a joy as, as well. I find in the Boreham Wood thing very interesting because over the past few seasons, they have been so solid defensively, but they've not been scoring goals, have they? And I feel like finally it's kind of coming back to bite them. Um, obviously, I know they were on the score sheet yesterday, but the fact that their signings over the summer have not been in that forward line where they need to strengthen. Um, and I know they've had some brilliant runs in the cup, haven't they? And then getting into the playoffs, you know, they're quite a small club at, at that level. Um, but it does worry me that perhaps it's just a season too far with not having that firepower. Um, but yeah, what a great start. And, and do you know what? I'm really glad that these clubs are looking to the National League South, having, you know, watched it this season. Um We've not been at that level for a number of years, but I know the level has improved remarkably. There are some real gems there. Um, and I know we did it when we got relegated from League Two, is, is getting some of those big names from the National League South that are getting the headlines. And it's very rare that they're not able to step up. And Hayden Hollis has obviously proved that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Joe, it's an interesting one. Luke Garrard at Boreham Wood. He's quite rightly had some fantastic plaudits over the years. And, you know, if you if you did a league table based on budget, then Boreham would probably sit roughly where they should do, really. Uh, 18th, 19th place. But they constantly overachieve. Finding it difficult to do so, though, this season. Yeah, and I, I'm not wholly sure as to what the main reason is. Uh, I think when I look at their, their team, um, they've got a lot of players who are sort of ageing sort of in that 30 to 33 bracket. Um, you know, people like Ashmore, Elisami, Fifield, you know, and they're relying on them still. Um, and, you know, perhaps they just haven't got the the mobility to get about the pitch as they have done in previous seasons. Um, I mean, that's one thing that I think all your top teams in the National League do is that, you know, it's not just kick it and hoof it and then run. You know, you have to be able to play and speed and skill um, and, you know, whether or not they're sort of lacking that. Um, I see they did sign Charlie Claydon from uh, Wealdstone 
before the game yesterday. Uh, he signed from Wealdstone and uh, formerly of Charlton. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think Bournemouth will be in for a, a tough uh, end to the season. But you would hope, as Sheridan said, given that they've found a way to grind out results in the past, that if it does come down to a relegation fight, then they should be able to see themselves free of that. FC Halifax Town climbed into a playoff space with, uh, or place even, uh, with a 1-0 home win against Wealdstone. Millie Alley on the score sheet. And uh, Halifax largely there, thanks to a brilliant defensive record, just 18 goals conceded in 20 games. Dagenham and Redbridge left Kidderminster six points from safety as an Eastman goal lifted them to 13th place and they quietly go about their business under Ben Strevens. And uh, finally, managerless Woking were unable to score or pick up any points at home to Oldham. Uh, a James Norwood strike lifted Oldham up to 10th. But I have to come to you both on this one. That was the big news in the week, wasn't it? Um, early part of the week. Uh, Woking, uh, relieving Darren Sahl of his duties just, what, three, three and a half months into the season after he gave them their highest ever finish. Sheridan, I'll, I'll come to you first because obviously Darren Sahl is someone you know well, you've spoken to on many, many times. Um, what did you make of this one? I thought it was a ridiculous decision. I really did. And it feels like Darren Saal is the victim of his own success. Um, Woking, the size of the club, the the way that the money has been... In, they've got clearly got money, they've got investment, but that doesn't mean that that automatically gets success. You've got to put together a good National League team that can compete. Darren did that. Um, it has been a tough start, but... I, I don't know quite what they think they can get that's better than Darren Saal, who knows how to put together a winning mentality. He is a manager that often goes on runs of form. Um, I think that was clear even last season um, on their run to the playoffs, which was utterly brilliant. Um, I'm really disappointed for Darren. I think he turned that club around. They were um, just milling around to mid-table, weren't they? Lower mid-table, just one of those teams that no one really talks about. He put them back on the map um, and, you know, he deserved that time. You know, we talk about credit in the bank, don't we? Surely getting, having their most successful season, you know, in, in a long, long time gives you some credit in the bank and it just felt like they pulled the trigger very, very early. Um, and, you know, it showed yesterday when they still didn't get the result. You sometimes go on a bad, bad run of form. So I'm really, really disappointed um, for Darren. And I hope another National League club takes a look and, and gets him back into work sooner rather than later. Um, I think Woking will look at, back at that decision and think it probably wasn't the right one. Because um, I've not really heard as well who they think they're going to get in um, that can get that team team rolling. And a lot of them, that former Yeovil players as well, of course, you know, went there for Darren Saar. And I think that is is always a, a really telling. So it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. But yeah, really gutted for him. And Joe, coming to you, um, obviously Sheridan's talked about uh, the strengths and uh, the, the reasons why Darren Saar should perhaps still be there. Talk to us about perhaps why he isn't and uh, um, and, and, and just any names that you're hearing uh, on the uh, on the grapevine that, that, that might be in for that job. Yeah, well, I, I think Darren Saar himself will probably know injuries. You know, they've had a lot of key players out um, of late, which has led him to kind of flip between four and five at the back, depending on which players he's got available from week to week. Um, I think one of the, the key strengths of Saar is having a team of experienced winners on the pitch. Um, you know, he had it at Yeovil, he had it at Woking. He's very much on character and strength of unity together. Um, and he's not really had that. You know, he's had to plug gaps with, you know, 18, 19-year-old loanees from football league teams. And that's not really Darren Sell's strength. You know, his team is experienced winners on the field. Um, and I've no doubt that when he got those players back, he probably would have turned the, the form around. Um, as for, for who gets it, I think it is an interesting question because, as Sheridan said, who do you get that's better 
than Darren Sull. The only one for me that I think would probably make sense is Paul Hurst, um, given that he's got promoted out of the division before. And when he did get promoted out of the division before, he had Padre Gamond up front, which he'd have at Woking. Um, so, yeah, I think if they are going to try and get a manager that can get them better than Darren Sull did, um, then potentially uh, Paul Hurst could be could be that man. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'd probably be seen coming on this one because he's become a good mate over the years, and he'd be joining me hopefully uh, sat next to me in commentary on on Tuesday night at Bromley. But uh, what about Neil Smudger Smith? He 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 masterminded Bromley's. Uh, change from part-time to full-time and then did well with Bromley as well. Has, has he been out of the National League too long already or is he someone who should be throwing his hat in the ring for this one? He's an ex-Woking uh, player, of course. Well, I, I certainly don't think being outside of the National League should be uh, a mark against his name because there's a lot of good managers outside the National League. Um, you know, if he's ex-Woking and... Um, Potentially, that could be a, a job that he would uh, relish going back to his former team. Um, again, it comes down to, as Sheridan said, obviously Woking have sacked Darren Sull because they want to get promoted um, or they feel that they should be getting promoted. Is Neil Smith the sort of manager to come in and get them promoted? I'd, I'd lean to the fact that he's probably a good manager to keep them stable in the National League, like he did with Bromley whether they can get that high-profile name to, to lift them to promotion. That's the, the key thing. Right, we're going to look now at the FA Trophy second round. There were so many shock results, it's difficult to know where to start. But given the three faces I'm looking at now, considering one of them's a Torquay supporter, another one is the regular Yeovil commentator, and neither of them were at the game... Um, Let's start with you, Joe. Um, the honours go to Torquay on the day. Obviously, Yeovil have got, dare I say, bigger fish to fry. But uh, Torquay 2, Yeovil 1, discuss. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get carried away. Um, you know me, Rob. I'm not going to get carried away. It was a, We scraped past a um, very changed Yeovil team at home. So... As you said, Yeovil have got much bigger fish to fry. And I'm sure if you said to Mark Cooper, you'll go out in the first round of the FA Trophy to Torquay and win the league, he'd snap your hand off. Um, and that's exactly mm. what I expect them to do. Um, but yeah, Yeovil had quite a few players out yesterday. Um, a couple of players who'd not really had minutes so far this season were given minutes. Um, and perhaps that might have formed an opinion or two for Mark Cooper as to what his strongest team is, uh, no doubt. And... Um, but yeah, Torquay, um, really fast start. Um, Dylan De Silva got a goal uh, after just two minutes and then a goal just at the start of the second half from Callum Dolan. Um, nice to see that Callum Dolan had a, a full 90 yesterday, given that he went off injured after 10 minutes in the league against Yeovil uh, a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, it was um, nice to see Torquay actually playing some attacking football on the deck for a change. Um it's a wonder what happens when you've got some quick wingers and people that can pass the ball. Um, so, yeah, it was a um, good win. Um, but, you know, I think Torquay's main aim is to try and get promoted themselves. So, um, even though we're doing a, a very good uh, job of persuading people otherwise, that that might not be our aim. OK, so it's still Gary out then from uh, from Joe. Yeovil weren't just missing key players yesterday. They were missing their regular commentator. <laughs> because she had bigger fish to fry. Uh, Sheridan, no, in all honesty, you had a cracking game to be involved with yesterday on Five Live. Uh, Chelsea against Arsenal in the WSL. Um, tell us about that experience. I know you've done a few uh, WSL games, haven't you? And, uh, and, then, and then when you're ready, as, as, uh, as briefly as you want to, uh, talk you over. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, very uh, amazing experience being uh, on reports, live updates for the World Service and um, Five Live at Stamford Bridge for Chelsea against Liverpool. Chelsea won 5-1, a Lauren James hat-trick, just an absolute privilege to watch one of the best players in 
the world at the moment, Lauren James. Um, yeah, really, really exciting game. Uh, 1.30 kickoff, amazing facilities. Just wonderful to see Stamford Bridge packed with fans for women's football. So, um, yeah, really, really good experience. And I was getting the updates from uh, Torquay Yeovil from uh, the BBC Bristol producers, um, which after two minutes were not what I expected. But what I did expect was having Dylan De Silva starting, having seen him come on in the league game against Yeovil Town. I was very impressed with him. So to get him back fit and firing, that is probably going to be a really good positive for Torquay season going forward because he gives them something dynamic, gives them an attacking um, prowess, which perhaps they didn't have in the opening sort of 70 minutes against Yeovil in the, in the division. Five changes from Mark Cooper, unsurprising. Um, makeshift back four, needed to make sure we're resting players, particularly um, defensively and also in terms of the the strikers we have in, in Reese Murphy, who needs his man him, his minutes managed. Um, and it's been superb so far this season. Um, but credit to Torquay, I think they, from what I can see, from what I can read, they totally deserved the victory. Um, and we move on to try and get an 11th straight league win in a row on Tuesday. So 14 games in a row, victories is not bad going. The run had to come to an end sometime. And of course, it was going to be Gary Johnson that ended it. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, before we move on, part of the reason we got you on this week was to talk about that incredible run. At any level of football, 14 consecutive victories is magnificent. And when it's for a football club that was down on its knees last year, when you had felt every emotion possible in football and interviewed players and managers going through the absolute ringer, just how satisfying and how pleasing and how exciting is it? It's been incredible. It's been incredible. And as you say, I don't care about the level. I don't, we can talk about the, the fall from Yeovil Town, but in the first time in 10 years, I feel a connection to the team. I feel a connection to the, to the club again. The football has been brilliant. We are clearly far better than this division. Um, not to say that this is done and dusted, of course, and Mark Cooper will, will tell you that, but, the manner in which we are winning games, we are completely dominant. We respect every opposition. And I think that's what's so impressive. We're not sulking about the level that we're at. We're taking the game to, to everyone. We're scoring goals. We're defending for our lives because every every team in this league, you know, wants to come and, and spoil the party at Hewish Park. But it's been an absolute joy. And after last season, which was so, so awful in so many ways, so difficult to ask any different questions to you know be breaking records and um enjoying record crowds you know 6000 packed into Hewish Park at this this tier of football is remarkable and I'm loving every minute and I really hope that we will have an immediate return to the national league it's going better than than even Mark Cooper could imagine so yeah it's been fantastic yeah absolutely uh, just to uh quantify that Yeovil despite having played a game less than uh, quite a lot of the sides in the division have a nine point lead they are the top scorers with 37 goals and the joint best defence with just 19 conceded so uh, Sheridan having met you on a number of occasions personally I'm delighted for you pleased for everybody at Hewish Park long may it continue let's get back to the um, FA Trophy and turn to you Dickie um, so many shocks to talk about. I think for me, the three we need to focus on perhaps the most are what happened to Buxton, what happened to Chester eventually, and also to tell us um, about the meeting between Macclesfield and Alfreton. Yeah, I'll start with the, the Buxton game. Um, obviously, a team at step two losing to a team step four um, is always going to be a notable uh, scalp, isn't it? And and uh, especially at Buxton's um, own Silverlands ground as well. I, I've seen at least one of the goals from this game. Um, Buxton caught out completely cold at the start of the second half by City of Liverpool's uh, Callum Shorer. Um, straight from the kickoff, uh, and it just didn't look like Buxton were with it. And whether that was emblematic of the rest of the performance, I don't know. They found themselves 
uh, 2-0 down after 70 minutes. Josh Corliss uh, getting a second goal. Connor Kirby did get a goal back in the 81st minute, but Danny Mitchley, uh, he's a, a much-travelled striker at sort of like step three, step four level. He added uh, a goal in the first minute of injury time. And yeah, that was it. City of Liverpool through. The Perps uh, were the perpetrators of a big uh, upset. And yeah, Buxton are out. Very good, Dickie. Very good. This is why we get him on every week. He is the pun meister. And what about those other shocks? <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, the one between Elfton and Macclesfield certainly caught my eye before the ties were held. These two teams actually met in the fourth qualifying round of the FA Cup. Um, and Elfton recorded quite a comfortable 3-0 victory that day to progress. I mean, Elfton still are in the FA Cup and perhaps maybe do have that FA Cup tie with Walsall that's televised in next uh, two weekends time coming up. Perhaps that was in their in their minds when they were playing this fixture. Macclesfield have had a turnaround since then. Um, they, they sacked uh, their manager, Mark Duffy, and Alex Bruce, the son of Steve Bruce, is now in charge uh, at Macclesfield. And uh, yeah, they came away with a four to win to uh, uh, put uh, memories of that cup knockout uh, to bed. Uh, Kane Drummond with a goal for Macclesfield in the first half. Jake Day and Dylan Motley-Henry then had Alfredton 2-1 up before half-time, but there were goals in the second half for Macclesfield. Two from Luke Duffy, sandwiched by a penalty or sandwiching a penalty from Alex Curran, uh, former Curzon-Ashton player in the 74th minute. And yeah, uh, another step two team going out. Perhaps not as big a shock because Macclesfield are, are at step three and they are a team um, that are on the up and do have quite a lot of resources at their disposable disposal. So perhaps not the shock that that uh, City of Liverpool carried out, but it's still it's still a shock. Absolutely, and uh, Chester. Yeah, the storyline in this one between Chester and Nantwich, I guess, um, well, there are a couple of storylines. I mean, Chester going out of a knockout competition for the second time in a week. Um, so they've seen their hopes of, well, realistically, they're not going to get to Wembley in the FA Cup, but their defeat by York City in midweek uh, certainly made that impossible. They're not going to Wembley in the trophy either, knocked out by Nantwich um, on penalties at Nantwich yesterday. Um, and a victory for a, a man I know well, Paul Card, and he's the manager at Nantwich now. They're at step four. Um, they held Chester, his former team, a team that he captained uh, to a goalless draw and then went through on penalty kicks. There were misses from uh, Declan Weeks, always or nearly always a reliable performer for Chester, but failed from the spot. And there was also a miss from Charlie Caton. So that was Chester's first two penalties were missed. And there was a miss for Nantwich of theirs as well, but they triumphed 4-2 in that shootout and they go through. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, congratulations to Nantwich. They they are uh, improving their situation, having been relegated from step three last season. But yeah, it's all on the league now for Chester. Absolutely. Um, Joe, flipping over to you and the National League South and also Sheridan, you can work this one between you. Um, the biggest names that stood out for me that uh, fell to lower opposition in the National League South, Worthing, Hemel and Tunbridge Angels. Uh, yeah, well, the, the big one would obviously be Hemel, um, you know, losing at home uh, to Walsall Wood. Um, they actually took the lead in the game through Joel Powell, um, but a, a late leveller from, from Griffin from the away side and Walsall Wood managed to hold their nerve and, uh, and progress on penalties, which is a, a brilliant win for them. Hammer had started the league season fairly strongly, but it's uh, all sort of been a bit of a struggle of late. Um, but yeah, a really, really uh, good win there for them. Well, as BBC Somerset and BBC Bristol commentator and Somerset girl, I'm going to have to give the plaudits to Froome Town because what a result. Having watched Worthing as well, they are not an easy side to beat. And what is even more impressive is to have the nerves of steel for the penalty shootout, having conceded a 96th minute equaliser. What a game that was at, at Froome. A big occasion for, for a side like that. And um, yeah, flying the Somerset flag well. And uh, what a big moment that could be for them. And uh, yeah, we very much in, in enjoyed that in the BBC Somerset studio. So um, yeah, really, really pleased for, for Froome Town and certainly one of the shocks because Worthing are having a very good season. And flipping back to you, Joe, Tunbridge Angels went out eventually, didn't they, at Hythe Town? Yeah, they went out on uh, penalties, another team to go out on penalties um, and another penalty win after a nil-nil draw uh, like Nantwich. Um, 
perhaps they were a little bit less. No wonder they couldn't uh, break the deadlock in normal time because there was only four penalties that were actually scored uh, at Hive. Uh, 3-1 win on penalties for them. Um, and yeah, Tombridge, um, they've been really improving of late. I know um, I saw Tombridge earlier in the season at Yeovil um, and they were struggling, um, but they've turned their form around in the league since. And uh, yeah, a little bump in the road, but uh, they're improving. Yeah, I mean, just so, so many shocks. It's just difficult to comprehend, really. Um, perhaps one of the uh, less surprising was Havant and Waterlooville in wretched form at the bottom of the National League South. Uh, and despite the, you know, the appointment of Steve King, he's struggling to turn it round there. And they played a club that's on the up in uh, Totten. Uh, Totten won that 2-1. And perhaps not too surprising Eastbourne's defeat at Hendon, as much as it's a shock. Eastbourne Borough, 11 fit players, a substitute goalkeeper and one other outfield player who wasn't fully fit. So Mark Beard's side continue to struggle. Um, and Truro lost as well at uh, Hungerford. Just as a general point here, and I'll, I'll, I'll throw this out to, 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 to any of you that want to comment on it. We talk so much about three up, three down from the National League and how much the National League's improved and closed to the Football League. But are we missing something here? Is there also a closing of the gap from step three and step four up to step two? Uh, because um, the sides promoted to the National League North and South this season are flying high at the top. And so many of these step three and four sides have produced fantastic shocks in this FA Trophy second round. Uh, potentially, yeah, potentially. Um, I know that the certainly uh, the level of the quality at step four is getting better and better with every season. Um, and again, it's you know with for for all the players that perhaps dropped from the um, the EFL into the national league, um, we're seeing the same from step uh, step two and three into to step four. So, yeah, lo loads of uh, some good. Well, loads of shocks uh, from the lower teams, and uh, yeah, it just goes to show on your day, and you can uh, beat anywhere, anyone. Um, I think I put a little stat in the the chat for you, Bob. That it was twenty five National League teams knocked out yesterday. Um, so yeah, really, really big uh, day for for teams at that level. Yeah, staggering, Dicky. Coming to you, I mean, have your pick of this lot, really. Uh, Banbury lost four two to Nuneaton. Tamworth. Flying high in the National League North, lost 3-1 at uh, Billericay. Uh, Boston went out at Colville on penalties. Farsley went out 4-2 at home to uh, Ratcliffe and uh, Russell Olympic as well. Uh, went out to, to Redditch. Yeah, I mean, there's not an awful lot of National League North representation left in uh, the FA Trophy when you look down here. And, and um, you know, I'm reviewing this uh, this morning. I did have a quick look last night and every sort of few lines I'm looking down and thinking, and there's another, and there's another. Yeah, I mean, Tamworth, I suppose, is a big one with them being uh, close to the top of the table in National League North. Uh, they were defeated 3-1 at Billericay. They're managed now by Gary McCann. Uh, he used to be the manager at uh, uh, Hampton and Richmond Borough, indeed. Uh, Tom Lang would never forgive me for forgetting that one. Uh, yeah, but they, uh, they suffered a 3-1 defeat there. They got a a consolation goal in the 90th minute from Ty Deacon, but they were already 3-0 down by that point. Goals from Cerule, Stevenson and Emmanuel for Billericay. Um And yeah, Tamworth, I suppose, again, there is that argument that, you know, they can concentrate on the league, but everybody likes a trip to Wembley, don't they? Or, or the thought of one, it excites fans. And um, there is sometimes this feeling that, you know, when you get knocked out of the cup competitions before Christmas, um, that, that for some clubs, they almost feel like that's a case of, well, that's our, that's our season over, really. We haven't got that much to look forward to. Um yeah, I mean, looking down the rest of them, Nuneaton winning at Banbury was a, it is a surprise, absolutely. Um, and particularly because of the state that Nuneaton find themselves in, they haven't played a home game um, in a number of weeks at step three because they're in dispute with the landlords of their ground. They're having to find other teams who will let them play their home games uh, or reverse fixtures. Um, uh, and of course, Banbury are a step two team, but but Nuneaton won 4-2 there yesterday. The evergreen Leroy Lita on target after just 
five minutes. Uh, there was a, a reply from Ty Fleming for Banbury, but Alex Lafleur hadn't eaten the head by half time. Uh, Scott McManus, a 77th minute goal. Nuneaton three when Adi Yusuf got a goal back in the 80th minute but then there was a fourth goal late on in that game for Nuneaton from Owen Asani. Um and yeah cons- as I said considering the state Nuneaton in I think that's something like their sixth or seventh win on the bounce so clearly being in dire financial straits is, is galvanising um, that team um, which we see happen so often you know it's kind of like South End Mark 2 isn't it? Absolutely um, there were a couple of uh, all National League South ties that uh, spring to mind. Uh, Sheridan, let's come to you. Feel free to comment on either or both of these. Uh, Slough, Farnborough, both famed for their cup exploits over the last couple of seasons. Slough prevailed by two goals to one in that one. And and perhaps the game of the day, which went to penalties, but not after a drab nil-nil or a one-all. Uh, Dover and Weymouth, which was 4-4. And Weymouth eventually prevailed on penalties. Oh, what a disappointing result that is. Uh, (laughs) But no, I mean, on Farnborough for for a start, we played them on Tuesday night. Very, very impressed with with them. The way they play football is a joy to watch. They really, it was a a 4-2 game, but um, probably a bit of a flattering scoreline for Yeovil Town. So I'm not surprised that um, they're involved in exciting games because they're quite open um, in terms of the way, the way they play. But that's what fans love love to watch. Um, I haven't seen Slough um, yet this season, so looking forward to seeing what they're they're all about. Um, it's such a competitive division. Um, obviously, we're we're doing really well at the, at the top of it, but in terms of the other other games that are, that are going on, it's it's very very competitive. So to have, I, I'm not surprised that the all National League South side. South sides uh, playing each other have, have come for really good games. Um, Weymouth, I'm I'm quite surprised by that result actually. Um, wasn't impressed with them at all when they came to to Hewish Park. They defensively looked very very shaky, which would <laughs> sum up that they they conceded that many that many goals yesterday. But could be really big for them um, in terms of uh, a cup run. Um, I, it was interesting hearing that conversation about about the FA Trophy. I think it's a really important competition. And while I'm not too worried that that my team are, are out, it's a different kind of thing. But Back in our history, it was the first trophy we ever won. The next season, we then went on to get promotion to the Football League. So I think it can really change sides season. It can be a real springboard for for, for, for teams. And the fact that there are so many teams that are pulling off shocks, and they've got a real chance to, to get to Wembley. And, and so, you know, we shouldn't disrespect this competition at all, um, particularly with looking at all those results. They're absolutely mad, really, in terms of the, the shocks that we've seen. Um, and I, I hope that um, we see the next few rounds being as exciting, because I think it's a really, a really important competition for, for teams um, that, you know, perhaps don't get as far in, in the FA Cup or, or anything like that. So, um, yeah, nice to nice to see some National League South um, clubs flying the flag. Yeah, absolutely. And there was actually one other um, all National League South tie. Joe, uh, come to you on that one. Uh, uh, Dartford and Maidstone. Yeah, well, it looked like it was going to penalties, um, but a late goal from uh, who else but Levi Amanchi uh, from Maidstone, uh, which interestingly, I've just done a little bit of counting up that Maidstone's last four games in FA competitions, um, three consecutive wins in the FA Cup away from home, and then yesterday in the FA Trophy. All four games, they've won away from home to nil, keeping a clean sheet, and Levi Manchi has scored in all of them. Um, and scored seven of the eight goals as well. So, yeah, a, a really good uh, away win for them and uh, a really good season for Levi Amanchi. I imagine we might be talking a little bit more about him come the end of the season uh, because uh, he just can't stop scoring. Now, before we look at a couple of North v South games, still wrapping up the shocks in the National League North, sides Dickie Spennymore. One Michelover three and Stourbridge two Kings Lynn one. Um, any key points from those games? Yeah, I suppose they're just uh, teams from the level that I was watching last season, uh, losing to teams uh, at the level I'm watching this season with Telford. Yeah, I don't think Michelover 
Mikelova winning it anymore, I suppose, is something of a surprise, but Mikelova have been excellent uh, at step three this season. I think they won every match until something like their 13th game of the season. They've had, hit a little bit of a, a rougher patch lately, if we were calling just drawing games rough. Um, but yeah, 3-1 win for them yesterday. Two goals from Ollie Greaves uh, and a goal from Andy Dales. Cancelling out Rob Ramshaw's early opener for Spennymore. They were on the board after just three minutes, the home side. Um, I can't imagine they thought they were, they were home and dry at that point, but they must have thought they were on their way. And uh, yeah, they got something of a rude awakening there. Uh, Stourbridge beating Kings Lynn again. Stourbridge are, uh, or Kings Lynn are improving uh, under Adam Lakeland, which is obviously uh, what they wanted when they replaced him. But they went down 2-1 yesterday at the War Memorial goal, uh, ground. Goals from Brendan Daniels, player I know well. Another one from Alex Prosser. Josh Coulson did get a goal back for Kings Lynn in the 85th minute. But yeah, not enough for Adam Lakeland's team. Yeah, and... Uh... Um, there were some victors from the National League. North Curzon beat Matlock 2-0. Hereford, Southport and Brackley eventually also progressed. And there were three other ties involving all National League North sides. Uh, Dickie Chorley beat Scarborough. And there were away wins for Blythe and Darlington at Warrington and Scunthorpe, respectively. And there were three... All National League ties to look at. Um, Chorley beat Scarborough. Uh, Warrington lost 3-1 at home to Blythe Dickey. And uh, despite what our friends in the non-league paper have reported, Scunthorpe did actually beat Darlington two goals to nil. Yeah, Chorley have had a fantastic week. Obviously, they enjoyed an 8-0 victory over Darlington in midweek um, and then followed up with a 1-0 win over Scarborough yesterday. Um uh, you know, Chorley fans probably a little bit disappointed after seeing so many goals. And, but, uh, yeah, just the one yesterday uh, for them uh, from Angelo Papula um, got them the victory. Um, Scarborough, they lost in midweek in the FA Cup as well. They went down 5-2, I think, to Forest Green um, in their uh, replay. A, a disappointment for them. And obviously another one there, another team that have gone out of two co competitions within the space of a week. Um Blythe winning at Warrington, I suppose, might be a little bit of a surprise given uh, Blythe aren't fantastic away from home and, and Warrington are, you know, reasonably strong on their own patch. Um, and then looking at the other one uh, in that one, Darlington against Gondor. Well, we just mentioned Darlington there and losing 8-0 in midweek. Um, I can't imagine expectations amongst the Darlington following but particularly high for that one yesterday. Um, and yeah, sure, they'll be disappointed to go out the out of the competition and another defeat but uh, at least it wasn't a humiliation like the one they had in midweek but huge amount of work for Josh Gowling to do there at uh, Blackwell Meadows Yeah, that's uh, rounds up all bar the games between the North and South with you Dickie we'll come back to them because the North took honours in both of those games but uh, there were we're not just the merchants of doom here uh, I'm afraid it was the National League South and North teams that lost so many of those games. Um, but there were winners from the National League South too. Avely beat St Ives in a narrow match 2-1. The result I was disappointed in because St Ives is about 10 miles down the road from me. It is the one in Cambridge here, not the one in Cornwall. Um, Bath beat uh, Beaconsfield by one goal to nil. Uh, Chippenham eventually saw off Basingstoke on penalties. Uh, Chelmsford and Western Supermare prevailed as well, as Joe did Hampton and Richmond, who continued their fine league form with a 5-1 win at uh, Cray Valley in what must have been after the Lord Mayor's show for them. Yeah, um, you know, we've talked about teams going out of two co competitions in a week and uh, Cray Valley certainly done that. Um, really good win for Hampton. You know, they start the season poorly, but they're really on a roll now. A um, couple of really good wins and uh, up near the top of the the uh, the league and uh, yeah, big win for them yesterday. Isaac Pitbledo, formerly of QPR, opened the scoring uh, before Dean Inman, uh, George Hunt, Jordan Cheadle, and Alfie Whittingham. Um, another goal, or sort of as a consolation for Cray Valley Paper Mill from the brilliant player Cairo Lisby. Um, and uh, yeah, a disappointing uh, afternoon for them, but a massive win for for Mel Gwinnett's side. And uh, these last two games, then, when North beat South, I'm going to switch it a little bit. 
Dickie, talk to me about uh, Bishop Stortford 3, St Albans 1, and then uh, we're going to go to Sheridan for Gloucester against Braintree, uh, given the vicinity of Gloucester to, uh, to, 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 uh, to where Sheridan comes from. So, Dickie, starting with Bishop Stortford, who, of course, we say every week really want to be in the National League South. Well, they got to play a National League South team, and they prevailed. Yeah, this doesn't feel like a North against South tie, does it really? Bishop Stortford and St Albans. I don't know how far the distance is between the two, but it certainly isn't that far. Um, St Albans had the lead early on yesterday, uh, an eighth minute goal uh, for them from Dylan Fage. But uh, yeah, uh, they uh, Bishop Stortford struck back for a much needed victory, I have to say. Um, just in the context of their season, I mean, you know, they, they are on a poor run. Could the FA Trophy inspire them to some better form in the league? Well, quite possibly. Um, they were level before half-time yesterday uh, from Bunya Alamanji getting them on the mark. He then scored in the second half to put them 2-1 ahead. And then there was a, a goal in the 59th minute of that game from Tosin Olafemi to make it 3-1 and to make it safe for them. And um, Sheridan, a, a win for Gloucester City against Braintree Town that will really give that club a lift, won't it? And doesn't it need it? I mean, sitting bottom of the National League North, which is wild that they're even in that division, but that's another story. Um, I feel for Gloucester because I feel like they have a lot of young players coming through that teams like us take from them um, and they never are able to get any momentum going on a, on a season. They're never able to keep a management team. They're never able to keep the, the squad together. So I'm not surprised to see where they are in the division just because of the turnover. But that is an unbelievable win, a comfortable win against the Braintree side that, you know, pushing for playoffs in, in the National League South and um, very... Um, Difficult to beat Braintree. Um, we narrowly beat them uh, in the home game a couple of weeks ago. So um, a huge win. And, you know, it's the cliche, isn't it, that perhaps can switch momentum, but it's going to have to be something special for them to, to get out of the predicament that they are in the bottom of the league. But it just might be able to um, give the, the fans something to to enjoy because that, that victory shouldn't be underestimated. Good stuff. And uh, Dickie, Coming to you for the final word here, um, you wanted to mention something in particular about Walsall Woods' victory uh, at Hemel. Um, and uh, also, tell us the news that came out of Scunthorpe this week. Uh, yes, uh, well, start with Scunthorpe, in that Scunthorpe um, have actually acquired uh, their, their ground, Glanford Park. Things are, uh, are uh, in place for them to actually take back ownership of their ground again, which is going to be such a massive boost to that football club. It's never a good thing when the football club and their ground and the ownership um, is under two separate bodies. Um, so that will, you know, you'd think Phil would start to help them generate more income again uh, so great news that for Scunthorpe yeah I just wanted to I think you did mention them before I just wanted to give a little mention to Walsall Wood because they're the team fairly local to me step four side I think they're new at step four this season having been promoted from step five uh, a win for them at Hamill yesterday on penalties uh, and I think the winning penalty might have been put away by Joey Butlin uh, a player I know who's victimised Telford a number of times in the past uh, he made it no holiday for Hamill Hempstead yesterday <laughs> You see, it was worth coming back to you. I knew it would be. The Western Supermare beating Cray Wanderers 4-1, Sheridan. Yeah, really good win for, for Western, who have um, had a tough start to the season, sort of hovering dangerously above the relegation zone. But it's always really difficult this time of year, having lived in Western and knowing the uh, state of that pitch. They, they get a lot of games called off at this time of year and they've not played for for a few weeks, which never helps when you're not in great form because you can never get that momentum going. So a really important win for them. And they've got striker Marlon Jackson coming back as well. Um, and he got on the score sheet. So, yeah, big win for, for Western. I really hope they, uh, they turn their form around, except for two games in the National League South this season. I just wanted to uh, also mention uh, a first goal uh, for Western Supermare for Alex Fletcher, Alex Fletcher uh, yesterday. Um, started his uh, started his new role with the PFA, working with uh, brain uh, surgeons and uh, going to clubs. So uh, yeah, nice to, to see him back on the score sheet there. 
brilliant roundup from from all of you guys. Thank you very much for that. Quick look ahead to the fixtures midweek. Already mentioned that uh, I'll be at Hayes Lane to see Bromley are in fine form. Uh, a couple of other games that stand out in the National League. Uh, Rochdale and Alty both going very well in and on the fringe of the playoffs. So uh, a bit of a, a Manchester derby of sorts there. Um, and Solihull Moors against Gateshead as well. Two of the sides flying high in the National League. Um, uh, Joe, in the National League South, I don't know if you'll be going to a game in the week or not, but uh, what stands out for you? Um, the uh, one game that I think might would be a bit of a cracker is Farnborough against Worthing. Uh, Farnborough have obviously been in uh, good form in the league against a Worthing team who've been a little bit hit or miss uh, of late. Uh, that would be the standout. Um, I was actually going to a game on Tuesday, uh, Torquay versus Taunton Town. Um, and I was going to speak to Rob Dre, given that we've lauded him up on the podcast. Um, and their game got called off yesterday against w Welling, which means I will now no longer be going to Torquay versus Taunton because they've got a uh, rearranged game. I was going to say, you, you've had to forget about Dre then. Ah. Uh. Uh, Sheridan, are you back on duty for, for BBC Somerset down at Chippenham? I certainly am, yeah. I am looking forward to, to that game. Um, you know, we're obviously looking to get back to winning ways and, and perhaps extend the lead at, at the top. The only thing I will say is that we signed, obviously, Jordan Young from Chippenham last season. He picked up his fifth yellow card, so he will be suspended for the return to his old club, which is a bit of a shame. He's been a star in midfield for Yeovil this season, so that will be a big miss. But, yeah, looking forward to it. Never been to Chippenham, so a new ground to be ticked off to. Excellent stuff. And uh, Dickie, National League North, I've had a quick look. What stands out for you? The obvious one to me uh, at the top end of the table is Tamworth against Brackley. Uh, yeah, uh, that is. And there's not, I, I guess, in terms of distance, there's not too much between those two sides. Um, it's certainly not the, the, the longest of trips. And, you know, Brackley um, had a, a, well, they got through yesterday uh, on penalty kicks against Stafford in the FA Trophy. Uh, Tamworth could do with the win to get themselves back uh, to winning ways. They've had a little bit of a blip recently, so I, that, that does look like the standout. Um, in terms of where I'm heading or thinking of going, I've got my eye on Kidderminster versus Hartlepool on Tuesday evening in the National League. Um, obviously, Kidderminster going through a tough time, bottom of the table. Um, I'm not sure that my moral support will will count for that much for Russ Penn, but clearly I'd like to see uh, some results improve for Kidderminster because Russ has always been a good friend to this podcast. And, you know, you just don't like to see people that you know and, and like struggling, do you? No, absolutely not. And uh, do try and get a word with uh, one or both camps on Tuesday, if you can, Dickie, for next weekend's podcast. Thanks for joining us as ever. Thanks, Joe, to you as well. And Sheridan, lovely to have you back on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. And lovely to see a smile that we know is deep <laughs> and genuine this year and not just putting a brave face on things. Listeners, Thank you for listening in again. Thank you if you voted for us in the Football Content Awards. Have a great footballing week and play the theme tune, Luke.